WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off, Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to a very exclusive, ooh, a little Brucey bonus wrestle plug podcast. I am your host, Aaron Nix, and we are going to discuss the WWE draft of 2020. So basically, we're going to cover what happened on this week's, well, last week's SmackDown, this week's Raw, and of course, we're going to most you know, mostly we're going to kind of look at the uh, the fallout of the WWE draft, who's been moved, uh, what we think of it, what's gone wrong, what's gone right, all that kind of stuff. So just a little Brucey bonus, hopefully a bit of extra content to help you guys through the day. As you know, I'm Aaron Nix, but of course I'm joined by Canada's favourite cleaner and a man who's got twice as much spunk as Kenny Omega and twice as much insulin to boot, Kyle Wilkinson. Yeah, motherfucker wishes he had as, as much insulin as I do, but I guess his is natural, whereas mine is all synthetic. So I don't know. Is that it's a, is that it's a how like, bust. for for somebody who isn't completely clued up on the diabetic condition? Is it a case of your body doesn't create enough insulin? Am I correct? Uh, it's actually it's like an autoimmune disease where my body recognizes the insulin I produce as an invading force, and Whoa. they go, "Not nah, fam, you're not allowed here." And then the fake stuff, they're like, that's cool. You got a VIP pass. So how do they, um, so what, what are the injections and in that for? Are they to minimize insulin or does it, do they create a blocker for you? No, like when I take, like when I take insulin, it's literally just synthetic insulin that does what normal stuff would do. Mm. You know, it breaks down the but sugar. But the body doesn't recognize it stuff. because it's synthetic. Yeah, it's they're like mm. no, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a robotic a virus. Yeah. It's quite wild, isn't it's it? So like, weird. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Lay off the fucking sugar. <laughs> That's all I've got to say about that. Lay off the goddamn and exercise, exercise, plenty of that. Exercise and, and eat exercise well. and sh- yeah, exercise and sugar. Kind of the two things any man in their right mind would want from Carl Wilkinson because he is quite the sort. And just so you know, ladies, he is single. Um. WWE draft. Let's start with SmackDown, seeing as that was the first night. Now, uh, SmackDown itself, obviously, uh, wasn't too bad. I actually thought it was quite an impactful SmackDown. Where do you want to start, mate? What what stood out for you most from the draft on SmackDown? Well, I mean, I think Roman staying is fine. He's on, you yeah. know, the run of his career right now, so there was a lot of that, wasn't mess that up. A lot yeah. of like, oh, these guys are already here, so we'll just reinforce that with an announcement, which I understand, but at the same time, don't care. Uh, the big move for me is Seth Rollins. He has mm. never really been on SmackDown during the during a brand split, like the big one. Like I think it was twenty sixteen when the. You know, Shane and Steph took over, and he was on Raw then, and he's just always been a Raw guy. So now he gets to bring his talents to Friday night. 
as well as his shitty storylines. So, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think the in-ring action will be good because Seth Rollins is really it's great in the ring, but uh, the the story is is not going to be there. And SmackDown seems like it got shafted this year, so we're just going to be stuck with that for a while. Yeah, I definitely feel the Raw are the winners of this draft overall when you look at both nights. And I, to be honest, I think Raw has been a far better overall product week to week, which is surprising because I seem to be in the minority, judging from what I've seen on social media. But for my money, Raw has been a better show. I think it's been more solid. I think it's been more entertaining. I think there's there's more layers to it for me. Um, SmackDown seems like it's more obsessed with appeasing Fox, which is probably why this draft has been uh, put in place. The, the first thing that really stood out for me that really made me think, fuck's sake, was the fact that Seth Rollins, you know, Seth Rollins moving to SmackDown was quite an exciting move. But then they followed this up with the Mysterio family. So Dominic and Ray have also been drafted, which means a continuation of a storyline that, frankly, I'm fucking tired of. Like, it's had some really good moments. Dominic has come through and shined. He really has for me. But for fuck's sake, like, how long does this need to go on? Like, I get it. Like, the Aaliyah thing, like, they haven't announced Murphy, as far as I know, unless it was one uh, of the he supplemental been, drafts. He has been drafted to SmackDown. Uh, was there you mentioned go. Right, okay. On, so. um, what was it, like, the bomb SmackDown for much long or some shit? Yeah. Yeah, like, so that, like, I don't give a shit about that. But what pisses me off is the fact that the biggest problem with this draft is that they haven't shaken it up enough. What they've done is to kind of make it more interesting. It's almost like they've, I said to you during raw, cause we watched that live. I personally feel like the idea from this perspective was that I get the impression someone in Fox rang up Vince or whoever and said, I really like what's going on at Raw, you know, with the, the Mysterio family and stuff like that. We want that on our show because we're fucks and we like crazy outward stuff. And they've gone, okay, well, we'll do a draft and then we can switch some of these rivalries over. They haven't really shaken it up as much as they've just moved storylines back and forth. And I just think this is like, I'm interested to a certain degree, but not that much. Like, you know, Aaliyah. Gutierrez, okay, Leia Macera, great, like, very beautiful young lady, um, quite good on the camera as well. Obviously, it just runs in the family, doesn't it? It just comes naturally to these people. And I suppose when you look that good, you're not going to really worry about a camera being shoved in your face. But it's got a very low ceiling. And what's rather strange about this is you're tying up a great deal of talent that could be used across the board. You think we could be having you know, some of Rey Mysterio's great final matches. We could be creating some, you know, sort of quasi-dream matches for him. Uh, Dominic could be working his way into a really exciting career as a wrestler, which he's probably got, what, a good 20, 30 years ahead of him if he's healthy and happy. Um, And, you know, Seth Rollins, he's a proven commodity as a champion. He, at one point, was the guy, wasn't he? They kind of earmarked him to be the guy. He beat Brock Lesnar in two major pay-per-views in one year. And, you know, on the flip side, Buddy Murphy, I'm a big fan, personally. I know he's not huge on everybody. Um, I like, really liked him in, obviously, 205 Live, which I watched fairly religiously. And for me, I just think that all of these talents could all be placed elsewhere on different brands, whatever, and doing good things. And instead, they're all fucking around in this 
quasi-incestual clusterfuck dumb over-the-top storyline. Like, he took out my eye, then he took out his eye, and then, fuck him, I'm going to sleep with his daughter, and what the fuck? Like, it's just, it's just throwing shit to the wall. Pick something and fucking stick with it. Instead of just, you know, why do you need to overload people's senses? Sometimes the best stuff they do is the simplest stuff. Two big horses crashing into each other. We saw that with last week with Keith Lee and Braun Strowman. It can be fucking simple. A couple of big old beasts trying to tear each other apart. It doesn't need this overly complex, dumb soap opera-like storyline, which doesn't even match up to good soap operas anyway. So why try? Give people something that's... And also, it needs to be more relatable. Who can relate to a storyline where, you know, oh, yeah, I can relate to that because my dad got jumped and had his eye taken out by a steel step and then, you know, I got my retribution after being beaten with two Singapore canes. What? Like, (laughs) this whole thing makes no sense to me. And I think, for me, probably the biggest issue I had with this draft is kind of like a... That's like a double-edged sword. On one side... Don't like the fact we're going to get a continuation of this storyline. I think it needs to be wrapped up pretty quickly. They could have done that over the next couple of weeks on Raw and got on with it. And like I say on the flip side as well, they've just moved storylines across from both shows. You know, like we've got Sheamus, AJ Styles. Um, I think AJ Styles is definitely one of the more exciting attributes. AJ Styles has been drafted to Raw. But, you know, if he's going to spend the next, I don't know, two or three months pissing about with people like Jeff Hardy... I'm not here for that. I've already seen that. The idea of a draft is supposed to mix up. It's supposed to create fresh opportunities and fresh matchups. What they have done is they've created the same matchups, but in a fresh environment. That's not enough for me. No, changing the scenery doesn't make a bad storyline good. So, I mean, that this is just going to continue. Hopefully it ends at Hell in a Cell... Please. <laughs> Who are you most excited God, about? Please. Looking down that list, I know you've you've compiled a list. He's gone full data analyst for the wrestle plug this week, Mr. Wilkinson S, and uh, I know you've compiled a list. Looking through that list, what's got you excited? Um, let's see. Um although we'll go on SmackDown first because that's what we've been talking about. Like I said, Roman's staying there, he's doing well. Uh Sasha's still there. I think she's about to be the next big uh, women's baby face because she's going to go over Bailey eventually. But um, these are all things that we kind of already know. Like, is there yeah. anything fresh there? That jumps uh, well, out Kevin, I, I like Kevin Owens on SmackDown. Mm, it's it, a very it gives good me a reason. gives me a reason to watch. And uh, Sami Zayn was also, he's still on SmackDown. So maybe I saw this on Twitter. I don't remember who it was, but whoever it was, thank you. You know, maybe the change that Kevin undergoes, maybe he turns back into a heel, him and Sammy get back together because oh, fucking they're hilarious, so why not? Yeah, well, um, you could get the, the forever continuation of their rivalry, which seems to have oh, gone it, on since the beginning of time. Like, I'm that, pretty sure that's, that's the how the part. Earth was created, was when these two <laughs> collided the for the first time. Yeah. yeah, that's the Big Bang Theory, is him giving him a package power driver for a ladder, and that created the Earth. And that's how <laughs> we live. So, uh, great. Now that I've created that idea in my head, I've now got to go away and draw that. That's really fucking annoying. So now I've got to sit down all night and draw fucking Kevin Owens murdering Sami Zayn and the Earth being created. Thank you very much, stupid brain. Um, the one thing that really jumps out to me that I'm super excited about, Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss to Raw. 
That for me oh, is probably the baby. best acquisition, yep. um, oh, which yeah. we found out, of course, tonight. And we also got uh, Alexa Bliss and the Fiend attacking Zelina Vega and Andrade in unison, uh, which was beautiful. Jewel Sister Abigail's, and also Alexa Bliss kind of doing the whole spider walk thing. And oh, it's just, it's so good. And Alexa's got this sultry, evil kind of sexual, but yet maniacal look in her eye. Like, yeah, it works for me. If you're going to do over the top, do it properly. This is good over the top, not shit over the top, like the Mysterio stuff. Um, but the idea of Bray Wyatt being on Raw, and this is why I think Raw has a far better roster for me. Uh, I, no doubt that there's great workers on SmackDown too, but for me, a lot of the real exciting stuff that at least excites me personally is on Raw. The Fiend is a must-watch entity for wrestling, as is the Firefly Funhouse. That's now on Raw. Alexa Bliss, one of the most capable might workers, as well as being one of the most exciting women to look at, um, you know, in history. Uh, as my Amazon Echo just agreed to me, as always. I really should mute that fucking thing. You know, all these things kind of combine beautifully. These feel like heavy hitters. These feel like big draft picks. And also... The real Dark Horse, excuse my pun because it's a bad choice of words when you think about it, but the real Dark Horse for me is Naomi on Raw. Um, the idea that Naomi could finally fulfill her potential on a different platform, especially with someone like Asuka involved, because who, you know, Asuka gets the greatest match out of everyone. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Asuka's idea for who won the main event on Raw this week. <laughs> but. You know, that's a dumpster fire, which we'll get to in a moment. But for me, the idea of these fresh talents, I look at Naomi, I look at Alexa Bliss, I look at The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and I think you three alone will have me watching any show, irregardless of what you're doing and where you are. So I think those are the best pickups. And I think those are the best moves as well. Because it also felt like The Fiend, he just got to that point where I felt like he'd run out of options and things to do. He's one of the few people that will benefit from this because there's so many people on Raw that he hasn't interacted with that he can sort of get involved with, do crazy storylines with. I'm assuming that it's not going to be long-term him and Alexa versus Andrade and Zelina because I don't think that's a good use of their time. I like it as kind of like, you know, we needed to attack a power couple to kind of assert our dominance, which I think is quite cool, but I don't want to see that as a long-term thing. I think The Fiend needs to be working towards the winner of Orton versus Drew McIntyre inside Hell in a Cell. That's my personal opinion. Um what stood out for you uh, storyline-wise that they, you know, kind of snuck in in between the draft? Was there anything that really excited you about SmackDown or Raw as a whole? I mean, the the two matches Kevin Owens had on each of those shows, the first one with The Fiend on SmackDown was really, really good. His no mm. DQ match tonight with Aleister Black was also pretty good. Alistair Black, of course, being drafted to SmackDown, where he will um, continue to clash with Kevin Owens, it would seem, which again is, I, I'm not against seeing those two guys, but I think both of us have kind of cut our losses quite early, haven't we, with Alistair Black? Like, I've got to that point already where I just kind of feel like they're not going to do anything that serious with this guy. They have the potential. He's definitely got the potential, but he just kind of, like, you know, I, I don't really care. But the match I thought was excellent. That was the main event of SmackDown during this draft was 
uh, Kevin Irons versus The Fiend, which I thought was by far the better of the two. Although I think the gnarliest spot was on the raw one with the Meteora for the chairs, which was insane, which I'm going to speak about in a minute. Um, I really liked Kevin Owens versus The Fiend. Would have been lovely to see that at Hell in a Cell or on pay-per-view. Because as far as I know, neither man has anything to do at Hell in a Cell right now. So it, it actually, for me, would have been a fantastic match. Especially if you put it inside the cell. I know you can't put every match inside the cell, but that's got the makings of a real main event classic, those two. And they put on a real clinic. The only thing that obviously was a bit shit was the, uh, which surprised me. It must have been live, but I know that they do tape a lot of this stuff. Um, the botched powerbomb for the table just looked really shitty. Uh, and, like, you know, it's not his fault. These things will happen, but I was a little bit surprised that they didn't try and edit it out or something, unless it was legitimately live. But that being said, a great main event and SmackDown feeling more solid. And, of course, the big news coming out of SmackDown, aside from the draft, is Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Are you okay with having a gimmick match inside of another gimmick because it will be an I quit Hell in a Cell match? Um, that's, that's weird. It's... Um, more to the point. I don't know. Are you looking forward to next year's Royal Rumble inside the Elimination Chamber? <laughs> Are you yeah, looking I mean, forward this is where it starts. to the women's gauntlet inside a Punjabi prison? Oh, baby. Now that, that's the problem with stuff like this. this. This is where it starts. You put a gimmick match inside a gimmick match, it, you're, we're going to start getting a bunch of bullshit combinations. I don't think the I quit stipulation is necessary because you're already in you know, Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Devil's Playground, you know, used to be <laughs> anus the most, anus. used to be the most terrifying thing in all of WWE. Even with the Elimination Chamber, I, Hell in a Cell was still just terrifying until everyone and you know Vince decided to go, "Hey, it's October, um, Hell in a Cell, let's do it." Every year, it, it's definitely the cell itself has diminishing returns. It's not as terrifying as it used to be. But I'm still excited for the match itself. Roman and Jay had a fantastic match at Clash of Champions. So, or Night of Champions, whatever. Clash so of Champions, you're right, the first time. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't fucking know. Clash of Champions, Gold Rush, I think it was. Because every Roadblock. stupid review needs to end of the line. Fast lane. Hard shoulder. The, um... <laughs> i, I, I got to go off on it a bit. Now, obviously... If you're going to have any rivalry, any storyline you got going on right now that's going to have to deal with this gimmick thing, it's going to be them. And that they'll put on a clinic, I reckon. And their storytelling has been world-class throughout this. They have drawn me in so quickly. And obviously, I'm always going to be so involved and engrossed in everything because the Usos are ultimately, for my money, the best tag team in the world. Um, and even if it's just one of them, I'm still very, very emotionally attached to what they do. I'm very invested as a mark. I love them. And... <laughs> I hate this because I don't like, do you know where the first downfall was when they started making the pay-per-views based on the gimmick matches? So when we went from having good, solid pay-per-view names, like Backlash and Vengeance and all that kind of stuff, and they do still have some of those, but all of a sudden they started actually having, you know, pay-per-views by the names of the matches, Helena Cell, Money in the Bank. Fatal four-way. That's fuck that one. That one's terrible. You know, like NXT on the other hand, giving us Halloween Havoc, Great American Bash. It's like NXT gives you what you want, and Vince is just like, ha. You know, but 
the thing is, if you, for instance, Extreme Rules is probably the worst defender of the lot. And I think, was it like either last year or the year before, there was one Extreme Rules match on that show and everything else is just boring, normal matches. You thought, okay, what's the point in that? Or they go completely ridiculous. Like uh, they've got a TLC pay-per-view and like there'd be, you know, a tables match. Someone have a ladder match. Then it'd be a TLC match. Then it'd be like a, a flag on a pole match. You just think, fuck off. What you've done is you've watered down these gimmicks. You've nullified their effectiveness. Like you said, with the Hell in a Cell, right? Diminishing returns. Absolutely. So that's what, that should be the name of the next Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Hell in a Cell, diminishing returns. Like, that actually sounds quite menacing. <laughs> sounds quite good. Um, for instance, cheap plug for you, everybody. Our YouTube channel, me and Carl have started doing watch-alongs uh, of you know, our matches and each week we kind of rotate our picks and obviously the next one will be recorded soon for anyone who is still interested in checking them out. Um, one of the ones we did was the first ever Hell in a Cell. And if you watch it, you're still just so drawn in to the drama, to the set piece of what you're watching. And then you put that against modern day Hell in a Cell matches. Now there have been some really good ones, but overall it's just been watered down. For instance, I know when Hell in a Cell is going to be a thing because you've already named the pay-per-view for it. So I know that, oh, we're getting up to Hell in a Cell season. Since when is Hell in a Cell a season? Since when is Hell in a Cell a calendar date? I'll just tick that one off. <laughs> like, like, you know, from a kayfabe standpoint, the rest of us look at the calendar and think, Hell in a Cell's coming up, so I better get in a really nasty rivalry with somebody I don't like. Who, who shall I agitate? And Randy Orton's sitting there going, well, if I start my rivalry now, me and Drew can finish at Hell in a Cell. Like, it doesn't make any sense that they just conveniently collide. It ruins a lot of the organic nature. Even if you know it's the work, you still want to enjoy it for what it is. You know, you still want to enjoy the work. You know, for instance... I know that Walking Dead isn't real, but I still want to be presented with the best story when I watch it. So why would you actively go out of your way to telegraph when all these shows are? I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, ah, we've got Helen the Cell on here. Because if we put that name on, people will buy that based on the name. No, people buy based on the rivalries, based on the way you sell the match. People were always going to come in in their droves to watch Bad Blood because the concept of Undertaker and Shawn Michaels murdering themselves inside this brand new, fancy, incredible gimmick. Like, that's fucking cool. That's exciting. That draws you in. If you then say to your audience, oh, yeah, Hell in a Cell's this month every year, you know, or it's going to be a gimmick paper every year, people aren't going to care. Why should they give a shit? I don't give a shit, personally. You're completely ruining and nullifying the concept of a gimmick. And so that's bad enough. Now we get to present day and someone's gone, oh, hey, Vince, like some fucking monkey and creative is to fucking, he needs to be set ablaze for this nonsense because he's turned around to Vince and gone, oh, do you know what would be really cool? If we, on a gimmick pay-per-view, put another gimmick inside the gimmick that's on that gimmick pay-per-view. And Vince is like, what's money? genius two gimmicks for one that means like vince is probably so fucking senile he probably thinks that he's going to get double buyer rates for it so we get double the money because people will pay twice to see two matches in one it's a terrible idea 
But if you're going to trust two people to do it, you know that Roman and Jay will still knock out of the park. So I can't bury it emphatically, but I worry because this feels like a slippery slope because I'm joking about things like, you know, let's have a Royal Rumble inside Elimination Chamber. You know that's going to happen eventually. You know they're going to start trialing dumb shit like that. Same with the cinematic stuff. It's great, but if you overuse it, if you oversaturate people, it gets diminishing returns. Diminishing returns is probably going to be the name of this podcast. I think that's a spot online for it. But for me, I'm disappointed because it's not needed. It's not, you can't honestly tell me that if you took the I quit away, the I quit stipulation, that Jay and Roman are still going to have a bad match. Are they? No, I don't think so. They're probably still going to have the same top quality match. I don't think it adds anything. I don't think it loses anything from it not being there. So, you know, kind of redundant. And you wonder just how far they're going to go with things. Because once a ladder was enough, and then they had to throw in, you know, tables, ladders, and chairs. And then all of a sudden they start adding more things, you know, <laughs> steel cages inside of Helena cells, things like that. The Punjabi prison was essentially that concept, just presented a little differently. I do worry. I do worry that they saturate people. And this is just another and a long list of dumb things that don't need to be done. You know, let people, let it breathe, as Jay likes to say. Let people enjoy it for what it is. Um, let's shift gears to some more of these draft picks, shall we? Uh, what do you think about Lars Sullivan returning and then in turn being drafted to Raw, along with Matt Riddle? Two highly contentious individuals right now. Uh, well, Lars went to SmackDown, but I mean... It oh, did he? No. Yeah. That's a shame. But they were drafted in the same round, if I remember correctly. So they just have some um, extremely risky picks. Do you think that's being, that's got to be done on purpose, right? Oh, that's got to be a troll job. He knows what he's up to there, Vince. He's being a cunt. He's like deliberately saying, look at me. I'm going to shove these two down your throat. I'm going to make sure the Velveteen Dream's on NXT and you're going to fucking swallow it because I'm in charge and you're all a bunch of tools that will just continue to watch and do... And he's kind of right, isn't he? How many people are you yeah. seeing on Twitter right now? Fuck Lars Sullivan. You know, fucking hate him. What, he's a piece of shit. Oh, I fucking hate WWE for still using Matt Riddle. Uh, yeah, what time's Raw this week? <laughs> they still watch all the fucking time. The numbers aren't going down. Not that much. They, you know, they're pretty low anyway at this point. But people are still watching in their droves. Enough that they don't have to give a shit. Um, Lars Sullivan, for me, my personal opinion, very quickly... I don't care. He's not big enough. He He's big. He's powerful, right? But he's got no charisma. He, he hasn't got a promo. He looks good. Looks like a serial killer that, you know, would possibly bum you. Quite literally, I imagine. Um, allegedly. But <laughs> I haven't seen the footage, so I can't confirm that. And nor do I want to. But he's just, you know, like Braun Strowman, for instance. I believe he got drafted to Raw, uh, along with Davicato. And you're thinking... That's why they've probably put him on SmackDown now that I think about it, because if he's on Raw or if he's on a show where you've already got these monstrous lads, he's not effective, is he? Why do I care about Lars Sullivan if I can see Braun Strowman come out, who's a good foot taller than him, in better shape, monstrous, like, you know, just a fucking Leviathan of a man. Like, Lars Sullivan, he's not the next Undertaker. Do you know what he feels like? He feels like Vladimir Kozlov without the potential to be funny. Or, or be good. Because I didn't mind Kozlov, but I mean, I also Kozlov became a family. 
But he teamed up with Santino. That was obviously of course he the best part. Such a mark for Santino Morello. Ah, uh, kind of, What is it about Canada, by the way, producing wrestlers that pose as other countries? Like, what's going on here? Jinder Mahal, Canadian, but from India. Uh, Sami Zayn, Syrian slash Canadian. Like, fucking, and here we are with this boy as well. Like, there's a lot of that going on. Santino Morella posing as an Italian, even though he's Canadian. Can- Canada is the melting pot of all these sort of different ethnicities the state always wishes it could be. Yeah, see, that's the thing. America's jealous of the diversity. And I'm sure if Jeremy Miller was in his party right now, he'd be screaming about diversity because I know how much he hates black people because he's white and racist and he votes for Donald Trump. These are all facts. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I do apologize on behalf of the rest of Black. And, but uh, he, he, he wanted to be here with us, but uh, we're not fucking babysitters. If he didn't join in, that's his loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be fair. I like how you're just calling out Jay Miller on the pod for not turning up. Like, yeah, the, at the end of the day, the party's open. If you want to jump in, you can jump in. I shouldn't say that, actually, because now people are going to be like, hmm, let's find out what his tag is, and then we're going to get all sorts of randoms jumping in the pod. So, yeah, if you're going to, make sure you announce yourself with one of them uh podcast one adverts that might get you a place on this podcast because we're always looking for new individuals to join and i'm i'm looking directly at you mr manuel or manuel uh from louisiana we need to get ourselves some old school wrestle talk on here i reckon that'd be good fun anyway i digress um yeah last sullivan don't care matt riddle piece of shit also don't care matt riddle is (laughs) i've said matt riddle is boring for the best part of three years Obviously, you know, I've said that because it's a different reason, obviously, why I hate Matt Riddle. It's as simple as that. But, you know, he's either way, it's, it's just not a good look for WWE and it's not needed as we've gone on about for months now on this podcast. Um, yeah, would for me, other than The Fiends moving over to Raw with Alexa Bliss, I, I don't feel like there's a lot of great value picks here. Other than possibly, like I say, the Dark Horse being Naomi. Um, one that was just announced actually on Raw Talk as well, Arturo Ruas, who I think is a really exciting talent. I think he's got a lot of potential. The problem, of course, will be whether he can develop a decent character to go along with his, frankly, rather phenomenal ability to wrestle. Um, but if I'm having to pick someone out, I'm sure you're probably in agreement with me that Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt going to Raw is probably right at the pinnacle of the draft picks. Like That's the one thing where you think, yeah, that's a game changer, and that's something that's really going to get me intrigued in a brand. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a big coup for Monday Night Raw. But looking through the SmackDown, I still think Seth Rollins will be able to do some good stuff if and when this Mysterio shit finally stops. And I say this as a guy who has loved Rey Mysterio since, I mean, I was really too young to watch WCW, as everyone knows. So I didn't really see him until he debuted in 2002 on SmackDown. But by then, I was 11 years old. This guy was a fucking superhero. But this storyline is fucking dumb. He can do so much better than this. Just just stop. So whatever him and Seth can finally be separated, I think Seth will be able to do some good things there. Uh, Bianca Belair, I think, could have some good matches. Um, what else we got here? Bianca Belair is with SmackDown, right? Yes. Yeah, so she's got the potential for a dream matchup with someone like Sasha Banks. You know, I, yeah, I'm not as I'm not as hot on Bianca Belair. Like, I think she's an incredible worker, incredible wrestler. I'm not a huge fan of the gimmick. Have you seen these vignettes, by the way? They've been running, which are very Mister Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> Therefore, I'm yeah. sorry, but they are fucking trash of the highest order. Like, first of all, it's a rip off of Mister Perfect. Who, with all due respect, 
is, you know, different stratosphere. It's not fair to put her in that bracket anyway, because she's got a long, long career ahead of her and the chance to prove herself to be, you know, very similar to him in terms of our iconic value. But also, you know, this, who, like, I don't care. Why are you trying to gimmickize her further? She's really got a fair amount of charisma. She's very bubbly. She's very vibrant. She's very in your face. Um, personally, I think she's a little bit too over the top for my money. Um, I've, I, I think she'd be more relatable if she was just a little bit more real. I don't feel like she's that real. And I'm sure I'll cop some heat for that. People will be like, of course she's fucking real. You just don't like black wrestlers, blah, 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 or something dumb like that, which is clearly not the fucking case, obviously. Look at me. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. But her going to SmackDown might work well for her. It does feel like a lot of the women have been shifted over to Raw because Raw retains the women's tag team champions. Now I know that they can perform on every brand, so it doesn't matter too much. Um, obviously SmackDown retained the two big guns, didn't it? With Bailey and Sasha Banks. And of course it got the addition of Bianca Belair, but a lot of women found themselves moving over the other way. That being said, one that was dropped as well on Raw Talk, Riot Squad moving over to SmackDown. I think that's a really good pickup for SmackDown. Um, I'm worried though, because there's not much for them to do, is there? Because Bailey and Sasha Banks are obviously going to be, shall we say, indisposed for the foreseeable future. Uh, so the rest of them, you're kind of sitting there thinking, okay, well, you know, what do the Riot Squad do unless they turn heel? Just, I guess they're going to mid around and maybe challenge um, Jax and Shayna Baszler for a little bit. Seems a bit pointless to me. Um you know, I, I don't think SmackDown's terrible by any means. I think they've picked up some really good talents. But I'm looking at Raw's side of things. I think they've got, I've definitely got the luck of the draw. I think they've got the best workers, um, a lot of the good in-ring workers. Uh, obviously, Daniel Bryan, I think, has been retained by SmackDown, which is always a big deal. Any side ones, Daniel Bryan. But I just, I'm, I'm failing to see where the value is on SmackDown in terms of long-term storytelling. Because once you've got all this crap out of the way, you're going to have to kind of mix things up. Are we going to get Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns down the line again? You know, like, do I want that? Not really. Who Like, who goes after Roman Reigns? After um, Jey Uso? I mean, I was just thinking about that. I mean, I think Kevin Owens could do it. Mm. Daniel Bryan could do it. And I still think, because they did, I think everyone knows by now, they did split up the New Day. I think Big E is in line for a big push, just kind of from the way they're booking him. So I think so he, did he could, he he could, yeah, he could definitely go. I think I don't know if he's ready yet. I could see him being a potential dark horse winner for the Royal Rumble, maybe. I, think I, I can um, call that now. Yeah, like that's that's not a bad pick actually. Although I don't think they, I don't think they're willing to pull the trigger. It depends, doesn't it? If they're really hot on someone, they'll pull the trigger quickly. But I know this sounds awful to say, but because he's black, I don't trust the company to pull the trigger on him very quickly. Which is probably there's a lot of really bad wordplay in there, and I apologise in this current climate if any oh, of that offends people. That's not oof. what I'm trying to insinuate, as you know. That is just a poor choice of words. For me, I just don't trust this company of African American talents. I feel that they restrict them a lot more than they should um but as you brought it up it was something i pretty much wanted to finish the show with it's a big big deal to split up the new day for the better part of six years these guys have 
entertained us, made us laugh, made us furious, uh, and everything in between. They've made us feel a lot. Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Big E have been part of the fabric. And to be honest, they go down in history as one of the all-time great tag teams. They have helped revolutionize and further the incredible and historic nature of African-American and black wrestling, the history that is going to go down. What's really cool is in 50 years' time, when they're doing stupid wrestling vignettes in the future about, you know, black history and stuff like that, they'll be able to look back at these guys and how they paved a new way. And the way they did it was by completely revolutionizing what was initially a horrible and slightly racist gimmick. And they turned it into absolute gold with perseverance and honesty through their own characters. Uh, it's kind of sad that they've broken up, but obviously it doesn't have to be the end forever. There's always the opportunity for them to, you know, come back to each other at some point. Um, Xavier Woods and Kofi obviously continue to be a pairing. They won the SmackDown Tag Team Championships on SmackDown from Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, and then were immediately drafted uh, in a very telling moment, um, which meant that obviously Big E will now go solo. We know about that. You've obviously discussed how you're excited about that. Do you think that it was too soon, or do you think this is the right time to break up the New Day? I mean, yeah, like you said, they've been together since, you know, 2014. That's six years. They've got, I mean, if you include the recent tit- literal title swap, by the way, uh, hmm. the Street Profits and the New Day literally just traded Spoiler championships. God damn it, stop fucking ruining but, all the content. <laughs> but, like, they've, they're like total 10-time tag team champions you know, they've had incredible success. They've been hugely over babyfaces since 2016. I bet you their merch sales are through the fucking roof. So, I mean, it doesn't suck, yes, because I thought Biggie, like, they, they, each member definitely had a lot of charisma, but I thought they bounced off each other very well. I don't think Biggie is going to have an issue at all here. I think he'll be able to carry himself just fine. And Xavier Woods, whom we haven't seen in a year or so, remember he had an Achilles tendon injury, which is devastating and potentially career-threatening. But he's back. Him and Kofi are the champions on Raw. I think they're going to have a plethora of good matches, assuming there's a tag division in WWE at all. Yeah, I mean, Carl Wilkinson buried the lead pretty quickly on that, but... I wanted to talk about this moment. So obviously, now now I think about it, one of the best pickups I think SmackDown have got is the Street Profits, who are no doubt, they are insanely charismatic. And I'm hoping that Survivor Series will get that dream matchup of the Street Profits versus the New Day, because that just seems like money, 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 money. You could make so much money. It's a license to print money, that rivalry. Uh, I love Montez Ford. I think he's incredible. I still believe that he could potentially be the next megastar of wrestling. I really believe that. I think he's got all the tools in his locker to be one of the all-time greats, if he's used and booked correctly. That being said, on Raw... To obviously get around the fact that they had traded tag team titles, Adam Pearce, who seems to be the ultimate administrator now of wrestling, <laughs> seems to be very busy, that guy, uh, he had come up with a genius way. Now, I had suggested to you, hadn't I, before the night had started, that obviously when Street Profits got traded, that they could do like a two out of three falls match at Survivor Series. Think how good that would be. And each fall is for one of the tag team titles. 
and they could end up swapping. You know, it would just be very cool. Like sort of have like a bit like, um, when I say two out of three fours, I mean kind of like a two four match, a bit like the famous uh, triple threat between Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit, I want to say for the European and IC titles. And the first four was for one of them. And the second four was for the other. And they could have done that with the same titles. They went down a much easier route, which I'm sure most people aren't that bothered about. But I was curious what you thought about this. So what they literally did was swap belts. Quite literally stood there and went, yeah, do you know what? Go on in. We'll have those. And you have these. Very much a a pawn shop compromise when it comes to tag team titles. Now, this whole argument I want to make is all about tag team wrestling. Um, WWE clearly doesn't give a shit about tag team wrestling. They made that very clear. <clears throat> they are burying tag team wrestling hard. And I mean really fucking hard. So what's your overall take on the way they're treating tag team wrestling, but also the, just the weird segment. Are you okay with them swapping belts? Cause for me, it feels disrespectful and it cheapens the belts even more than they already need to be. Honestly, it's what I expected. I went in to tonight just because I know the new day got drafted on Friday. I knew the street profits were going to get drafted tonight and I just came in going, yeah, they're probably just going to do a bit of, bit of tradesies, which I think devalues both championships. It just means they're, they're essentially just props. Championships are supposed to mean something. When you're in wrestling, you are supposed to always want to go for, you know, the world championship. Or if you're a tag team wrestler, the epitome is a tag team championships. That's just how the industry works. And you're just like, no, I'll take these red ones because I'm here now. You take these blue ones. It are first things first for me. Are these now? Are these reigns now totally new reigns because the belt swaps? Like, so does the new day just they just have like a three day SmackDown tag team championship reign, and now they start tonight with a one on Raw, and like there's just so many questions to this. It doesn't make any sense. Just you should have had the red on blue for a while, the blue on red. The Survivor Series is in a month. Just, just do that. Just do that. It would have been fine. But no, they just had to literally just trade the trade the props, have Rude and Ziggler in for a few seconds because reasons, and then that that's it. I just I I don't understand it. Tag team wrestling. I love tag team wrestling. I still remember, you know. Edgy Christian, the Hardys, the Dudleys, even like Los Guerreros, the world's greatest tag team. Like, the, these were great times, and now Vince has just taken a giant shit on it, and uh, he just left it there. He's left it there steaming for the last, like, ten years. It's hardly frustrating. Tag team wrestling is so important. It is a cornerstone of the entertainment and the overall product of what has been professional wrestling since the beginning of time. You think about how special tag team wrestling is. What's really funny, right, is on the flip side of things, AEW are talking about, oh, you know, we, we care about tag team wrestling. And ironically enough, they've done a very different way of burying it by always presenting it, but presenting it so terribly. And then on the flip side of things, WWE have kind of just said, yeah, fuck tag team wrestling. We're not even going to bother. They split out heavy machinery. 
this is very disappointing. Otis is left alone on SmackDown. It's almost like they're deliberately trying to bury him because they put the money in the bank on him. Ever since, they've had no clue what to do with him. Uh, Tucker wasn't around for a little bit. So they've put Tucker on Raw now. Otis is on SmackDown. They've taken Mandy Rose away. She's on Raw. Otis is still on SmackDown. You know, Miz and Morrison, they've moved to Raw. And their recent rivalry slash gimmick is that they were trying to steal the money in the bank from Otis by, you know, they put this trial on. It's really fucking terrible. It makes everybody look shit. And then on top of it, Otis is left alone on SmackDown. Like, what's he supposed to do by himself? You've taken away his long-term tag partner, who has great chemistry with him on screen. You've taken away his on-screen cafe girlfriend, who, again, they have amazing chemistry. Like, I don't get it. This seems like a very, very obvious tactic to bury him. Because then they can say, when he's on his own, oh, well, you know, he, he couldn't cope on his own or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's easier to make an excuse for him being rubbish if he's on his own. I think that's unfortunate, and I hope he can rise above that. I really do, and I hope he can continue. But, you know, heavy machinery have broken up. Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode are not a legitimate tag team. couple of fucking scrubs that nobody cares about, frankly, as far as I don't give a shit about either of those guys. They are fucking boring. They've got they're just charisma vacuums at this point. Rubbish, boring, you know, boring Bobby Roode, which is a shame because I loved him in TNA Beast. It's not working, for fuck's sake. Sign James Storm and bring back beer money. For the love of Christ. Like, I heard that apparently James Storm was lining up, possibly signing with WWE again recently, and then I had to, um, you know, postpone it because of what had happened with COVID and that. And my God, he needs it badly. He really does. He needs, he needs James Storm injecting himself in him very quickly. And, you know, there's... There's problems all over the place. Because if you take away the champions, the New Day and the Street Profits, what are you left with? Not a great deal. Obviously, one of the Usos is injured long-term. One of the Viking Raiders is injured long-term. That doesn't help. So what you're left with is a load of quasi-crappy tag teams that you can't really take seriously. And then you've got people sitting there waiting for their tag teams to kind of resume. Even Miz and Morrison don't feel like a tag team. They feel like a comedy duo as opposed to a tag team, you know? Like, I'm not expecting them to put up a serious challenge. But I'm looking at the Raw roster and I'm thinking, well, it's got to be New Day, isn't it? Um, it's got to be New Day versus um, these two guys. Like, it just feels that there's nobody else there. So it's got to be Miz and Morrison challenging for those tag team titles, surely. And that doesn't have that much longevity to me. Same with the women's thing. They've kind of created these new tag teams. <laughs> There's problems. There's way too many holes in this. There's way too many errors. And obviously, I have to be patient. I have to give WWE the benefit of the doubt, as you always do to a certain extent, you know, depending on what the scenario is. But I just, I feel like, like you say, they clearly have taken a big steaming dump on tag team wrestling. And uh, to cap it off, Seeing them swap the belts, I get why they did it. It's a lot easier than going through some convoluted storyline, building up the Survivor Series or whatever, which is a shame because if it's done right, it could certainly draw quite a few viewers, I think. But at the same time, how demeaning. And like you say, these questions. So, okay, who? 
wait a minute, who's like, <laughs> you know, you're looking at it thinking, wait, so does that rain count or does this rain count instead of that? Do they replace it? Or is the record books going to show that they were SmackDown Tag Team Champions for two days and then they, what, they, the belt, the belts are defunct? Is there an asterisk? You know, that if it's making my head explode, then it's not fun. <laughs> it's like, I, I just want to enjoy it. You know, make it easy for me to enjoy it. You can't do that by doing this kind of stuff. Too many swings and roundabouts and things like that, and just, you're coming back to the same old issues. So like, that's great. Okay, you swap the belts. Now what? There's no contenders for them. You know, you, sh- you should have stacked one of the shows with quite a heavy presence of tag teams. Probably Raw, because it's three hours long. Why couldn't you have a, a stronger tag team foundation on Raw? You're telling me that heavy machinery wouldn't be useful over there. Of course they would have. Would have been fantastic for it. So, you know, plus Otis, let's be honest, he ain't going to cash in and beat Roman Reigns, is he? Like, I, that's not happening. Like, it's just not happening. They're setting him up for a failure. And that really saddens me because at one point, he was the hottest thing they had going. Around that WrestleMania time, without Otis, it was a pretty fucking shocking product to watch. And he was, re- especially SmackDown, he was carrying SmackDown on his shoulders for quite some time. So, yeah, I feel like this is a almost like a death now for tag team wrestling. And I'm sad about that because for the longest time, that was really the meat of a card. And if you go back and watch any classic wrestling, NWA, Mid-South, um, you know, IWA stuff, IWP and all this, loads of them, you know, you name them, they're out there. All of them had solid, strong, legendary tag teams. And now you're just reduced to, you know, a couple of good tag teams, very special tag teams, the Street Brothers New Day, and then a bunch of scrubs back them up. It's disappointing. But overall, this draft feels quite, when I think about it, quite flat. I feel like the value of the draft, other than the major acquisition of the Fiends, the value for me of this draft is going to be in the smaller talents. Are we going to see Arturo Ruas do well? Is Naomi finally going to get the big push she deserves, being the monstrously incredible athlete that she is? And, you know, not really lacking that much in charisma. Love her gimmick. She's got the best entrance in wrestling, as far as I'm concerned. Um, You know, there is some potential there. But overall, it just feels like what they've done is they grabbed a big lump of guys from Raw, uh, made sure they're all in the same storyline, and dumped them on SmackDown, and vice versa done the same over here. Um, but that being said, if I have to pick a winner, it's definitely Raw. Oh, yeah, it has to be Raw. Because, they, like I said, they got all of, maybe not all of, because, you know, Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens, but they got, like, 98% of the like the best workers they have in the company. Mm. So they're, they're just so SmackDown definitely got shit on this year, but hopefully maybe they can, I don't know, make some gold out of this shit. I, I don't know, man. Like, uh, we got to give them a chance. Like you say, we have to be patient. Maybe, maybe something will happen. Maybe it won't, but we'll never know until, you know, the coming weeks, and then we can complain, because I'm sure we will. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll definitely have a whinge. Um, one thing that really stands out to me, seems like a lot of pressure to put on Roman Reigns to carry that brand. Be interesting to see how he reacts to that. And hopefully with the other Rubizo brother getting closer to uh, rehabilitation, that might really help as well because I'd be all in on seeing the Usos active. By the way, the Usos versus the Street Profits, you will have my attention when that becomes a thing. And particularly if they turn heel and join Roman. So, yeah. I think we'll leave it there. Um, Carl Wilkinson, thank you very much for joining me for this uh, exclusive little chat about the WWE draft of 2020. That was a pleasure, my friend. I I figured, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be in there. I'm going to take some notes so we can actually get, you know, some good, so, some good continuity out of here because we all know WWE can't do that. Wrestling and continuity do not exist anymore. Fuck you, AEW. You're winding me out knowing. Um, yeah, we're going to be back near the end of this week, ladies and gentlemen, for our usual state of wrestling address. We will endeavor to try and churn out some other content as well. I am still yet to review the second show of Unit 10 Reach, so look out for that on YouTube because I'll get yelled at if I don't cover that because, you know, it's just not the same. Like Joey Seven says, who is obviously a future megastar of British wrestling, it's just not the same if WrestlePlug isn't reviewing the show because ultimately our opinion more important than all the other scrubs because we're not kissing everyone's ass like they are just saying so we're going to be back with plenty more content obviously state of wrestling dresses at the back end of it i know you guys aren't keen on sending things in but if you are listening our dms are always open at wrestleplug slide in them let us know what you think of this week's wrestling because what we do on the state of wrestling address every single week this podcast is our weekly roundup so to speak so me and carl will sit down and we'll discuss all the news but that's not to say that you guys might not have an opinion we cover the news but we also cover the kayfabe stuff we cover the product so get involved honestly have your say let us know and if you don't want your tag out there that's fine too just let us know i'll announce you as anonymous from anonymous or you know parts unknown but hey and we'll just crack on with it but if you want to have a say please do and obviously if you want to support the podcast it's wrestleplug.bigcartel.com if you're european based particularly britain and if you're north american based pro slash wrestleplug obviously halloween's coming up maybe you want to grab yourself a cheeky little uh a cheeky little present off of that so they're the best places if you want to help us out and obviously kick back a little bit of money to help keep the lights on but 470 episodes down we're just 30 away from episode 500 as well so don't forget we want plenty of questions a completely uncensored unrelated Q&A involving obviously the current hosts myself being the owner and a lot of surprise guests and returns for what is sure to be one of our biggest podcasts of all time so make sure you get involved with that because this podcast is as much for you as it is for us probably more so for you to be honest we'll go with 60 40 for now and if the more you send in things the more we'll give you back through the shares of wrestleplug if we ever become successful enough and if we don't well that's your fault for not listening enough because hell this is the best wrestling podcast i'm sorry it just is it's the most candid it's the most honest we've got a sexy canadian who's diabetic what more do you want we've got everything in this prop department get involved but until then i'll catch you very soon for more nonsense from the wrestle plug <laughs>